Hello and welcome to JNL Stadium Tour Unleashed. This is the Super Bowl recap. My name is Justin. And I'm Lucas. And in this episode, we're going to review our thoughts from Super Bowl weekend. The game was the San Francisco 49ers against the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Kansas City Chiefs won 25-22. Well, what are your thoughts? I thought it was a pretty good game. It came down to the wire, and I think the biggest thing after finding, listening and watching some of the stuff afterwards is supposedly a lot of the players for the 49ers did not know the rules when it came to overtime in the playoffs. I guess I hadn't saw that, but it's kind of surprising that people don't know that. <laughs> Especially when it's going into the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I guess some of them didn't know that if you score in playoff overtime, that the other team gets the ball. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I, you would think that would be talked about a lot. Uh, it's kinda, it kind of blows my mind that that wouldn't have been yeah, because up and talked about. Right. Uh, you would think that would be the main thing you would go. And that's why I guess Patrick Mahomes had like this crazy look on his face when they picked to receive the ball first. Because they're like, <laughs> it just shocked them because normally you'd want to see what the other team does. Right. You know what your game plan is going to be. And uh what I did find out, you know how we like we're like, why isn't he calling that timeout kind of thing? Yep. <clears throat> they get a chance no matter what to score, so they would have went into next overtime for them to get to try to score. So that's why they weren't in a rush to snap the ball, I guess. Oh okay. I guess I didn't realize that and I don't think the announcers is one of them was saying something about that too. So they must not have realized it either. That's funny. You yeah, think that I, when I seen that, I was like, wait, is this actually a thing? <laughs> and I guess it was. Hmm. Interesting. So. Yeah. Overall, I mean, I thought it was a really good game. I was hoping it would, would have been a little bit more fast paced. The first half, I felt kind of was kind of slow, but I mean it was a good game. I I enjoyed it. The uh, a couple crazy things that we had discussed. We watched the game together. Um, our families got together and watched it. Um, a couple of the crazy things that we talked about during the game was how I mean Kittle wasn't being used over the middle. Hardly yeah, at all. He wasn't used, I mean, in the game. He was targeted a few times, but he only had two catches for four yards. And that really surprises me because the middle of the field was there. I don't know if they just didn't like what they had with him because he was open quite a few times. It's a, to me, that was really surprising. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. They, it just, in general, it seemed like they went away from what they normally do when it comes to their 
main players. Like, even Debo wasn't used the normal way that he did during the regular season and in the playoffs. It just once that limelight came in, it just seemed like the game plan was a whole different thing. And I was very, very confused on that. But does that come with the experience or is that like for the coaching aspect of it? Right. Or did the Chiefs just have the number of taking away the players that they knew could make the big plays? Um, you got to imagine the nerves played into that for Purdy, at least, too. Yeah, big time. Um, he played really well, though. Yeah. I mean, made, made a couple mistakes, but for the most part, he had a really good game. Uh, nothing that really severely hurt the team. No. I think... Probably the biggest thing that hurt the the 49ers was allowing the extra point to be blocked. Yep. And, I mean, that that kick was a little bit low, and they just missed the block, and the guy got a jump with the hand on it. But that, to me, um, that was one of the biggest parts of the game because that made it so the Chiefs could tie it then yeah. with the field goal. Right. Instead of having to go for the touchdown. Yeah. We were last week we talked about like who was gonna show up and who wasn't gonna show up out of the big name people. Uh on the Chiefs side the big thing was like McCall Harmon, he was a jet this at the beginning of the year, went to the Chargers, didn't play a lot, didn't get his name called very much this year. Shows up in the Super Bowl, gets game-winning touchdown, three catches, 57 yards. Like, those were the big things that stood out. These players that you don't hear a lot about during the season, and they make these big plays. Um, and then MVS, yeah. He did well again. And those plays are just so big when you need them the most. And we talked big about that on our last podcast of who's going to show up, who's not going to show up. And these non-big name people for them showed up when they needed it. And I think that was really big. And the 49ers just seemed not to be able to control the non-big-name people, because Pachanko really didn't do anything. He had, like, 60 yards rushing 18 attempts, so it was only, like, a three-carry three rush, which I thought he was going to do a lot more up the middle, but it didn't seem like they wanted to do that very often. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes led the, <laughs> the team in rushing, so they took away the weapons they needed to do. Because Rice didn't do much. Kelsey, well... You know, he's always going to do something, so. At least in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. When it counts. Yeah, it was kind of nice to see. I mean, MBS, he had the, well, he had the touchdown, but he also had one of the um, bigger catches. I think it was to extend drive yes. of the third down. Yeah. But he almost dropped. 
um, kind of bobbled it a little bit, but still caught it. Uh, so, I mean, all the stuff that was talked about him throughout the season, at least he was able to put it to the side and and make a play still while the pressure's on. Kind of nice to see. I'm still not a huge fan of him. I I question if he'll be on the team next year, but we'll see on that, I guess. I mean, I'm overall, too. What they do. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I mean, they used Pacheco a little bit different than they normally do. They did a lot more, like, sweeps towards the sidelines where he is more of a, I guess you would say, north-south runner. Like, yeah, he gets going, and it's hard to stop him. You don't, you don't want those type of running backs going sideline to sideline. So they used him a little bit different than they normally do. Um, he was used in the past game, though. I mean, he had six catches. Yeah, so that was one of the things that we had mentioned that if they, like, they need to get him involved in both aspects of the game, and they did that. Uh, so that was nice to see. Um, yeah, I don't know, the, the 49ers, too, on that side, I mean, they got McCaffrey going. He had most of, most of the rushing yards, and then, I don't know, a good, what, quarter of the receiving yards? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as, what's that? I said lead the team in rushing and receiving. Yeah, and and that's kind of a a bad situation if your receivers, especially the way Debo and Ayuk, you know, can take any catch or any carry to the end zone, to not use them that much. It's kind of surprising. I think uh, what the first drive they used uh, Usyk. Um, yep. Two catches, which is pretty impressive. Maybe it was a second. You don't drive. see that very often. Early on in the game, and he's a big part too because he's. I mean, you don't see much for fullbacks anymore, and the amount of work that he does on this team doesn't really go get the notice from a lot of people. So it's fun to see fullbacks get used. Yeah, they definitely need to use him more, I think, in both aspects, rushing and running. I mean, rushing and receiving. Because he's a dual threat. Like, oh, yeah. he's a utility guy. Especially when you have Christian McCaffrey, you should be able to leak him out for the passing game a little more often because they're going to be so focused on Christian or Debo or Kittle or IU. There's just so many weapons around there that he could easily sneak off and should be able to get open. And clearly he can catch the ball. Um, <clears throat> the big bright note on the 49ers was Juwan Jennings. He played good receiving. He had a throwing touchdown for 21 yards. That trick play worked very well to McCaffrey. Like, they're pulling out all the stops. Like, these people are showing up. It, like you said, that big block field goal was huge. Uh, extra point, I mean, was huge. Their line 
kind of disappointed me in this game. There's a lot of unblocked people coming through. There, I think it was the third down when they got that last field goal. Chris Jones just came in free, wide open. No one blocked him. No one touched him. They didn't even hedge him, nothing. And the worst part about that is Brock Purdy got the blame on them not scoring a touchdown. Yeah. Even though you have one, if not the best, defensive tackle in the game, slash edge, whatever you want to call him, barreling in your face. Like, what are you supposed to do? Untouched. Yeah, I, I saw somebody that broke that play down, and it was it should have been um, the way the line was shading to the left, I think it was. So the tackle should have dropped down and, and chipped him at least. To slow it down because mm-hmm. it, it was supposed to be from the way I understood in that breakdown, it was supposed to be a quick hit to the right side, and okay, the, that just, make more sense. just the way that he came through the line, there wasn't anything that play got broken up just by him and by yeah. the line not properly chipping down the line there. So it's tough. <laughs> Unfortunate situation for Purdy, but it just goes to show how good Jones is. Yeah, exactly. Um, My next big thing I have for this game. So the Chiefs were the most holding team in the NFL during the regular season. And in the Super Bowl, the last three, they haven't had one holding call at all. So I started thinking about that. There's so many things that get called and don't get called. And I was furious when I actually like looked into all that. And t- <clears throat> oh, sorry. Tell I heard JJ Watt talk. And he's like, if a defensive player does a spin move or rips into him, so that underhand nonsense, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. The, she called it a rip, but, uh, spin move, the rip. And one other thing. If you're doing that and you try to push to the outside and they grab you like they're supposed to when they're engaged on you and you do the rip or the spin off of it, that nine out of ten times that holding isn't going to get called. Because you're the one that's enforcing it on to the tackle or the guard. Which is absolutely mind-boggling to me. If it's a hold, it should be a hold. But I understand where it's coming from when you hear that from one of the best defensive end to ever play the game. He's like, you're not going to get that called. So you need to learn how to come off of that. Because you're going to get held. Every play is going to be a holding. But that's why there's certain plays that won't get called. And everyone knows it. The coaches know it. Every player knows it. The refs know which ones to call and not to call. But it's how you control your anger and how you play off of those. And to me, it's just that just opened a whole different realm of how to watch players play now. And is it actually holding or not in the way – 
he explained it. And I thought that was very eye-opening, in my opinion. Yeah, the, so just to branch off of that a little bit, there were a couple calls that weren't, that should have been, though. Um, there was yep. a one where uh, I can't remember when it was in the game, but the guy had him beat, and he pretty much tackled him. That should be a called every time, and that was yep. missed. But you and I said something about that as we saw it. Yeah, that was in the fourth quarter against uh, Bosa. Yeah, he was on. I think he was on the left side of the offensive line and wrapped around and got tackled. Yeah, yeah. I tried to do a spin move and then he pushed him and then tackled him. Yep, and that situation there—that that's a hold every time. Yeah, every time. The part that JJ is talking about is when you get engaged and are holding on the inside on the shoulder pads, like not on the outside of the shoulders, but on the inside by the chest area there. And if you do a swim move there, that that's going to look like a hold every time. Yes. And you got to do that move before you get engaged. And that's right. That's where a lot of that lies. And, And a lot of people will yell holding and you'll see social media just blow up from that. But unfortunately, it more than likely won't get called because, as you said, you caused that. It's not the opposite. I never looked at it that way. You know, like people like me that don't, that have never played that position or really paid attention to it because I look more at the D backs or the wide receivers or, you know, because that's what I did and that's what I like. You don't see, you don't look into those little things and it, it was just so eye opening that that is actually a thing that is in like the non rules, you know, the rules that aren't rules kind of thing. Yeah. Those unspoken rules or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, he's got a point to it. It technically still would be. Classified as holding, but it'll never get called right. for the most part. Um, there was a little bit too. I'll go ahead. No. Um, was it the last play of the game where they actually had linemen down the field? Uh, on that yeah, that they, were, they were complaining about. Yep. Yeah. It um, was kind of being pushed around quite a bit. Um, I mean, they actually broke that one down too. I didn't see a breakdown on that, but it had to have been fairly close to being an actual like safe play, not penalized. Yeah, they said if you're engaged before a certain amount of time in that one yard, you can push them as far as you want and stay engaged the whole entire time. And so if you're on the line and you hit them within that certain amount of time, you could literally take them all the way to the bleachers and it won't be a legal man downfield, I guess. As long as you're engaged from the go within that amount of time, you're fine to block all the way down the field. Not pushing down the field to find a person to block before they get catching. Yeah, right. So as long as you're engaged, which from what people are saying, he was engaged. And it looked like he, like, got him and then, like, turned him and he just kept going with him is from 
one of the breakdowns that I've seen. But a lot of it is these slow motion replays that are killing a lot of, you know, the holdings and all that, that kind of stuff because the umps aren't going to see it that slow every single time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they show it up on the Jumbotron. They show it here. They show it there. And you can slow it down to whatever you want, and you can make it look however you want it. Like, it could be a perfect play, but it, at the right angle, it could look like a hold or anything you want it to look like. And that was another thing J.J. Watt brought up, too, and he's not a big fan of that slow motion replays after the game, after the plays because of that, because then the crowd goes absolutely bonkers and throws the game certain ways and it just it's fun listening to these people that have played forever and know the inside and out of each aspect of the game like that yeah that's some of my favorite um videos and just like context to watch is former players breaking down plays um kurt warner does quite a bit and then um that kyle um slaughter Water, and he breaks down quite a bit of quarterback play, and he he's actually really good. He one of the better like breakdown people for quarterback play is him, in my opinion. And he didn't he's do smart. a lot while he played, but no, he knows the position and and whatnot. So it's fun to it's fun to see those. Uh, there's a couple others I can't think of them right now that I watch, but. The prior players are very informative on, you know, like what J.J. Watt said, the stuff that's going to get called, stuff that won't, things to avoid doing and and mm-hmm. to watch for. Like, this is way off, not in the NFL, but Colbert Bryant said it the best. Like, he would usually watch film and find the dead zones in between each ref that they weren't able to call. So he'd be able to pick apart what he needed to do if he was a traveler or not, or if he could, like, tug the jersey or stuff like that. So I wonder if there's dead zones like that in the NFL where certain refs can't call it from their view. Because I know, like, certain refs only can call, like, their sections or whatever, however it is. Yeah. So, like, he broke it down just beautifully, like, how he would study film, and he'd watch where each ref was able to call it, and he'd pick those zones to be able to, like, help take the advantage of the certain play that he was going to do. And I am guess you'd think that would happen in the NFL as well, but I don't know how more tight those officiating uh, areas are. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of zones that would be missed. Um, that, I think, though, going from basketball at 5-on-5 five five to NFL where yeah. you got 11-on-11, 11 11, that makes it a little bit tougher, but I, I know what you're saying, and I'm sure there is, and I'm sure there are things, especially on the line, that is almost impossible to to see and call. Right. I know uh, 
just from the years that I played. There's a lot of stuff in there that they don't call, but in lower levels, you don't have the amount of refs and coverage right. as you do in the NFL. Cause there's, there's a lot of refs out there, and even more of them are at home watching the game. Right. <laughs> Those are the best ones. No. <laughs> There's so many that you just want to. It's really hard to go on Twitter sometimes. Yeah, especially after anything that's somewhat controversial. Yeah. Going in, I mean, at the end of the fourth quarter, or like midway through the fourth quarter, this this game you would have had to have figured MVP would have been going to uh, one of the kickers, right? Yeah. I think at the end of the game, I should have went to one of the kickers myself, but yeah, there's a reason why they stayed in the game well, on both sides. <laughs> Two broken records, and yeah, that's still mind-boggling to me, man. 55, 55 was the record when Moody made it, and then Bucker beat it at 57. Like, yeah, out of how many Super Bowls there were. And no one's ever kicked that long of a field goal. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, I was surprised by that, but I suppose you play for field position, so a lot of situations, you'd, if it's a close game and they're not sure, they'd punt if it was far enough back. I don't know. In those situations, you got to go for the points that it's crazy that that wasn't the, a higher distance for the record, but we've got some pretty good chuckles at that. Yeah, we did. It was so much fun watching it together. Yeah. Um, a few years we did that, so. Exactly. Again, but. So, I don't have a lot more to go on on this game, but I just seen a highlight on the website here and the NFL needs to figure something out because I'm guessing this was turf, not real grass. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, with these non contact injuries because Fred Warner, I'm not Fred Warner, uh, Greenlaw tore his Achilles running out into the field. And that was in my opinion, a huge blow to the 49ers because he's their second best linebacker. And that clearly made a factor of the game. So what can they do? How are they going to fix it? Or can they even fix it? Because all these non-injuries, non-contact injuries are just getting higher and higher and higher. And it's just... Like, what do you do? I'd, I'd love to see it go back to grass, personally. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that'll ever happen. Right. Just because it slows the game down compared to running on the turf and the, the different setups that they have now. I know when I went to the Cowboys... The stadium. We did a tour, and just walking on that just felt weird. No, oh, I'm sure. I don't know if I'd like it. <laughs> yeah, like it's just like rubbery. It's 
I don't know. I think it'd be terrible to play on, but I think you, you, if you're actually looking into player safety, you go back to grass. But then they'd have to adjust all the stadiums and how are you going to get grass to grow properly? Right. They, uh, for a while they were talking about having the, the grass farms and moving it in where they mm. just do like a layer and basically like the landscaping companies do where they just like roll it in. And I think they did that for one of the games. What was it last year? Like the Super Bowl last year? I can't remember what I, game I, it was last year, but there was all this, all the people upset about it because of how hard it was to play on and slippery it was. But, I mean, that's that's kind of the disadvantage of grass is it's going to be a little bit slipperier, but you're not going to burn it. tear your Achilles or your ACL as often. It's going no, to you're not going to get... Yeah, exactly. Which, you would think that would matter more than it being slippery or non-slippery. Because there's been too many injuries, severe ones too. It's not even like a twisted ankle or a bruise or anything like that. It's these people are tearing stuff. They're blowing their ankles out. They're hurting their knees. They're it's just so bad. They need in my they need to figure something out. But what do they do? I don't know. But something needs to be done. Thinking now, I think the Super Bowl was the paint. Now that I think mm. about it, and that's what the complaint was there. So I can't remember what game it was that they had the the truckload of like sod and put down. Mm-hmm. But, huh. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is to that. I hope they figure something out because I don't want to keep seeing the injuries like that. And I mean, he's gonna be out next season unless. At least half of it. Yeah, I mean, the quickest recovery he could have would be probably a quarter of the season gone. Right. And if you want to play it safe and smart, you'd want to at least halfway through. Yeah, and then you still got to worry of being comfortable on it. Like, trust me, you're... Until you've gone a little bit of time on it playing full speed, you're not going to feel comfortable. Like, no. You see it all the time with the injuries. They feel about half a season it takes them to feel comfortable on it. But I don't know. It's a good question, though. All right, so we'll move on then. Uh, that kind of goes over our, our take on the game. Uh, it's a good game. Uh, we're going to go over the NFL honors uh, versus what kind of what we thought in our prediction was it last week or the week before's episode yeah last week uh, but we'll go over that because now we have who got them uh, we'll start out with the MVP um, I don't remember who you had did you have CMC I did. Um, 
ended up, I had Dak, uh, ended up being Lamar, which is kind of what the speculation was. Don't necessarily agree with that, but I mean, they usually go with the quarterback from the team that has the best record. Uh, it's just tough because that defense, in my opinion, was the better part of the ball for that that team. That's what, yeah, two for him definitely. now? Yep. Second. Second um, in 2019. Yeah. He won it. Uh, he won 49 out of 50 first place votes. I don't think it. Yeah. I don't think it should have been that way, but. He previously won it unanimously. Unanimously. Yep. That word. I'll take a look on that one. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, the the voting kind of surprised me because everybody says it was kind of a down year for quarterbacks, but then you have a couple quarterbacks that statistically were better. It's just they didn't have the the record. And I don't know. Kind of crazy. Um, He is a good player, but I don't know if he was the MVP, but that's what they voted on. I agree. Uh, the next one on my list, I guess, is the defense uh, player of the year. Uh, ended up being Miles Garrett, which personally I think is a good pick. Um, I had TJ Watt just because I figured it would be statistics. Yep. And he had the better statistics, but uh, Miles Garrett, I think, had a bigger impact. Yeah, he's a monster. I had Bland, so. Oh, yeah. yeah, he definitely deserves it. That we, well, I hyped up that defense a lot this year. It was a big part of each game that I talked about when it came to the Browns, how much I really like this defense. And. You can definitely tell that he's a huge, huge part of why that defense was so good. Now, there were a couple of awards that were tough to pick through, and the defense player was one of them. It was a, yeah. a tougher one because there was a lot of a lot of good names in that list. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's well-deserved. He, he earned that one, in my opinion, so it was a good one. No, it's so crazy to me that it's his first one. Right. But I suppose when, you know, Aaron Donald won it, what, three years in a row? Yeah. <laughs> kind of takes it a little harder for people to win it. Has TJ had one, too? Yeah. I, didn't he win it last year? I'm not sure if he did or not. Eh, either way, well-deserved for yeah, Miles Garrett. Um, I mean, he's going to be a force for years here. So, uh, Next one on the list is the Offensive Player of the Year. And that went to CMC, which is actually who I had. Yep. And I had that. One of those that, I mean, 
the amount of offensive yards and just plays he had, it makes sense. <laughs> no way around it. No, yeah. He's, yeah. Clearly, I, I think he should have got it because I think he should have got MVP, but right. it makes sense. Very dominant. You, that one you can't argue. Nope. Uh, the next one, I don't think you can either. Offensive Rookie of the Year went to C.J. Stroud. I think we both had Stroud. Um, yeah. He, he put up an amazing year. Um, a lot of people are saying that it's the best rookie season ever. And, yeah, it's fun to watch. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch this team in the upcoming years. And I'm definitely buying uh, Sunday tickets so I can watch him more next year. Yeah, it, it was fun just watching. He looks so calm all the time. But he literally made me eat my words. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've never had to eat my words so bad. <laughs> And I'm okay with it. Like I'm, I admit that I was so wrong. Yeah, so he, wrong. He's a good player, and once that team um, comes back next year, they're gonna be a tough team. They uh, lost Dell mid-season on a play that shouldn't have happened, and years, year of experience together. It's going to be so much better. Yeah. I'm excited. Next one we got is Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, I still stick with Pace should have been the winner of this. However, Will Anderson Jr. was. I think you actually had him. Yep. Yep. A Texan sweep. Yep. I had uh, Porter Jr., but, I mean, Will Anderson, he, I mean, stood his ground and made a lot of plays, so makes sense there. Yeah, he beat out Kobe Turner from the Rams and Jalen Carter. They both had 14 votes, and he had 16. So it was a close one. Yeah. I think we talked about Jalen Carter being up there too. Mm-hmm. Neither one of us picked him, but he he had a pretty good year. He didn't start a whole lot, but he played a lot. Right. He's gonna be a force. All three of these people are gonna be a force coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we talked about all year, this Texans offense and defense are so young. And it's going to be crazy to see what they do if they can keep this core team together. Yeah, they're going to be good. They're going to be competing for that AFC side for sure for a few years here. Never would have expected it this soon, you know? No. All the rookies that they drafted, they figured it'd be a couple years out. But fun. Um, so on to the next one. We got the comeback player of the year. 
I think we both had the same had Flacco, right? Yep. Um, Flacco won it. Uh, makes sense. A lot of the talk was that DeMar Hamlin was going to win it, given the situation that he went through. Um, but I mean, he didn't, he didn't have much game time. And in my opinion, that makes it tough to be considered the comeback player of the year if you're not really coming back and playing much. I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, there's got to be something as far as for Hamlin as to why he didn't play a whole lot. But this one was earned, in my opinion, by Flacco. He had an impressive year coming out, not expecting to play probably, and right. and putting up the numbers he did. He had a good team around him, but jumping into a system like that is, is not necessarily easy. No, definitely not. Especially going four and one, like led him to the playoffs. He's just really good. Like that whole team, especially when you really don't have too many standouts on that offense. You know, you have Chubb, but then he gets injured. You have Amari Cooper, who played lights out for a while there, got injured, like, and you still. Did what you did. Yeah. It's really awesome. That'll be interesting to see what they do for quarterback this offseason, but we'll see. Uh, next one then on the list I got is Coach of the Year. And that was Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski. Um, from Browns. Makes sense. Yeah, from what everything we just talked about, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, we both had D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, I had D'Amico Ryan's. I, I thought that that was a little bit more impressive. Um, having all the young talent there, the rookies and stuff there, just I don't know. But either one, I'm okay with this too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, assistant coach, I guess, then, is... Stefanski actually sounds like a guy that should be from around here. <laughs> right. From the Argyle area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring that up. I think that's funny. No, you're good. And last one that we went through would have been assistant coach. Uh, Jim Schwartz got that. Again... Uh, Cleveland, he was a defensive coordinator there. And I can't remember, you, you picked, uh, I picked the Texans, Texans offense coordinator. I guess. And I had Mike McDonald from the Ravens. Yep. Now the head coach of the Seahawks. Yep. That's going to be interesting. But uh, Jim Schwartz got it. The defense there, um, I mean, they they were good and was one of the big reasons that that Browns team was in the competition. But a little bit. What's that? I said it definitely makes sense. Yeah. 
I, I had a couple others I was just going to toss out there. Um, the ground player of the year went to CMC. And the air player went to Brock Purdy. Kind of funny because they had put out um, polls on Twitter for the air and ground player. They listed four times for the air. Dak won it each time. And then they went with Brock Purdy. That's funny. So that's kind of entertaining. Um, I was in on the voting and watched it. And I, I mean, I, I, for the ground, I went with CMC. Um, but Purdy won the air. Kind of strange. But, I mean, he had a good season, clearly. So. Yeah. And, the only word I want to bring up, just because it's in big bold letters on the site that I'm looking at, the NFL Walter Payton of the Year award went to Cam Hayward. Yep. So, I was actually just <laughs> looking that up. For <laughs> whatever reason, that one's not listed on the list that I'm looking at. So we must have missed that part when we were watching it on the TV that one well, was talking. Yeah, that was right at the beginning, I think, when they when they were talking. And yeah. they announced it. And uh we were in I think getting food at that time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, he won it. But that makes sense. So yeah, I don't have anything else, just kinda wanted to go over the I mean, clearly the Super Bowl, but also the honor awards versus what we picked and what actually happened. We were on for a few of them, but do you have anything else? Nope. That's all I got. All right. So this covers our recap then for Super Bowl weekend. Um, just heads up, we are probably going to take about a month here or so break maybe a little bit longer um and then we'll be back doing episodes for getting ready for the draft um but the plan is i don't know if it'll be mid-march or early april we'll be back um so just keep an eye out maybe at some point you get an alert that you have a new episode from us um Again, the podcast then is available on Apple, Google, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Uh, thanks for listening. It's been a blast this season uh, doing this. Uh, thanks, Luke, for hanging out with me for the, the recording time that we do. Um, anyone out there listening, uh, feel free to reach out on Twitter. Um, leave a rating. If you would. Um, other than that, thanks everyone. Yeah. And yeah, thank you for hanging out with me as well. It's been a great first year of the podcast, especially how good it's gone for just going out on the whim in like week time to get everything set up. It's been awesome. Thank you everyone. Leave a review. Uh, We'll be on our page as well. 
on X, just leave a comment, whatever you guys want to hear. Maybe we can throw out some episodes of what you guys want to hear about. Maybe throw that out there as well. Uh, Have a good night.